Hi, I'm Cindy, and this is Taiwan Yuan, where you'll meet inspiring Taiwanese people all over the world. Today, we're chatting with Andrew, the founder of Boba Guys. Bubble tea, boba, is such a big part of Taiwanese culture that, yeah, of course I had to cover it. Um, boba Guys is a pioneer in so many ways, and it's hard to innovate already in such a crowded landscape. So I wanted to find out from the source what makes this bubble tea special. Let's get started. Hi, Andrew. Tell us about yourself and your connection to Taiwan. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. <laughs> I am super honored to be one of your first, I guess, season's guests. My connections goes really far back. So my mom uh, was born there. She was born in Taipei, came over to America. And so I had always heard about her home from... You know, every time we ate out, she would be like, well, this is like the food I had growing up. And me and my co-founder started a company called Boba Guys, which is uh, a boba company, which is essentially the most Taiwanese thing out there. My dad is from the mainland. So my dad is from uh, Canton. So I do speak Cantonese and Mandarin, but I'd always identified a little bit more with uh, Taiwanese culture, primarily because it's a little more accessible because my mom, you know, the Taiwanese, uh, I don't want to bring back any trauma and trigger anybody but you know it was colonized by quite a few people like the dutch the japanese and the chinese so in many cases it was kind of like this mentality that my mom had too where we were always very comfortable with people infusing culture i know that you used to work in the corporate world before i started boba guys is there an exact moment that compelled you to want to start this business there wasn't a huge moment I think a lot of things that my life, not just Boba Guys, but a lot of things happen organically. And it's interesting because I think, especially Taiwanese culture and Asian culture, we're taught to be a lot more planful. We analyze, we make sure you have the optimal decision for everything. When it came to entrepreneurship, I kind of fell into it. I think if you know my story in corporate America, I had a pretty good job. I was very stereotypical corporate America. I was... I guess what Wang Fu calls a yappy. You know, I was, I was telling <laughs> Phil, the character, the lead character of his show, Yappy, which I love. Um, I'm friends with Phil. But I, I was like, why did you name him Andrew? Did you write about, am I the yappy that you're thinking? I go, no, I have a lot of Asian Andrews. He's like, the line from the show was, Andrew, it's like the the, the, the basic B of, um, of Asian males. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's probably what I was for sure. And I did business school. I was very kind of by the book. And then I started a pet project with my friend on the side doing a boba shop, which I wanted to make more accessible. I haven't really told the story too many times, and it's barely even our book that came out. But the real true story was I was in business school, and I was in China, essentially, for a summer. My uncle lives in Xientian Di, which is this expat area of Shanghai, and his condo overlooks that area. And I saw a haagen from kind of far away. And I was like, what's that haagen doing there? And he goes, don't you know, you know, he calls me Tai Tai. He's like, Andrew, Tai Tai, don't you know that we love ice cream? I was like, yeah, but I never really, I always thought Asians were lactose intolerant. And he goes, well, it's a wonder that, you know, Asians don't ever do anything that's well-branded. We never bring our culture to America. It's always Panda Express. That's what they said, which is nothing wrong with Panda Express, but it's really only Panda Express if you think about it. I thought about that. And when I went back to the States, it was always in my mind because I drink a lot of boba. I do love boba. That's very stereotypical. I did think 
was there an idea that we can make it more accessible and cool? Mm-hmm. And not to say quickly in tap, Tapioca Express, which I love and grew up on, or any of the boba shops I grew up in the, with the Bay Area, Tierra, shout out to Danny at Tierra, uh, the wonderful fu- foods, the family there, uh, the Lee family who runs um, uh, Tenren. I love, I have love for all of them, but the, it wasn't really boba for everyone, mm-hmm. right? It's usually like all faba for Asians by Asians. And I mm-hmm. want it to be faba for all by Asians. People say we generally are the company that almost single-handedly like create this new wave. It's weird because again, I, I'm telling you this because I, it totally happened by accident. I didn't quit my full-time job until the third year. That's so un-Taiwanese. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's Very so cautious. true that I didn't really pay attention, but bubble tea or the standard of boba has definitely changed. Yeah. Yeah. When we started. From the powder. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what we grew up on, right? The best chains we had were like Tapioca Express, but they were still primarily powder or syrups. My co-founder and I, I mean, we told this story before. When we Googled, you know, what we wanted to do, like premium boba, artisanal boba, high-end boba, expensive boba, adult boba, adult bubble tea. We did every permutation. That did not exist. You can Google it right now. Somebody, some listeners are going to listen. And they're, especially if you're Taiwanese, you're going to be like, I'm going to prove him wrong. The founder of Boba Guys knows nothing. That's very Taiwanese. You can Google it. And you can see that the searches for premium bubble tea and that versions of that did not exist until we started. Because we did it. We did that Google. So I don't know if we did it well, but what we did know was nobody was doing it. Mm-hmm. What? How would you define Boba Guy's mission in one sentence? Bridging cultures. Boba Guy's bridges cultures and makes Boba for everyone. And you mentioned that a lot, which is Boba for all and making it more accessible. Uh-huh. Do you have details to how do you make it more accessible? Mm. Well, that would be the secret sauce. <laughs> the secret ingredient. Um, here's what I could say because it's been nine years, especially in a category that is predominantly Asian. And I say this in a very kind but real way. Anything that's Asian gets copied all the time. It's just part of the DNA. So people have been trying to copy us since the first year. And there's been clones all over the world. The best way I can explain it, I just think people don't get it in that Bold Guys has never been about the drinks. It's never been about how pretty our stores are or how pretty our Instagram drinks are. That's not it because people have done that already. Boba Guys, there's like almost like a soul and you can't really copy the soul. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the best way to explain why we've been able to do things our way and be successful. People hated us. I mean, I'm not going to lie, you know, especially in Taiwan. I'm, uh, I'm, you're going to ask me about it, so I'm going to say it. Man, half the island, especially when they heard about it, we were in like Liberty Times uh, on a cover story because we started a bobish. Um, Liberty Times, I'm sure you know, it was like the New York Times in Taiwan. I think my, de- my friend Daphne was the reporter. She wrote it. But the re- response to it was really polarized because some people thought it was a little bit like Bruce Lee when he came to the West. People didn't want him teaching Kung Fu because Kung Fu is so secret. It was only for Chinese people. And mm-hmm. he got hated on, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's how it was in the early days with Boba Guys. The first four years of Boba Guys was I got emails. I got hate. People were always like, you sold out. It's like the way people talk about you know, Andrew Yang or certain Asian politicians or Crazy Rich Asians. We were like, 
that movie wasn't for me. That didn't represent me. I'm like, neither, never is one candidate or one movie or one boba shop going to represent everything you stand for. It's silly. You can't please everyone. What you want to be is who you are unapologetically. And so boba guys, we never try to be traditional. My friends have their traditional company. Danny from Tierra, he does the best fruit tea and tea companies of boba, I think, in the, in the Bay Area. You want to do really crazy cocktail drinks? There's these guys in Canada and Montreal, Boba Boba, that do it really, really well. They're almost like bartenders. So there's always somebody better in something. So to me, I think you got to really own who you are. And I think that's especially for your audience in Taiwanese and, and Asians. We sometimes always try to lose ourselves to become someone else, to assimilate. And I think that hurts us in the long run. So there is soul, definitely that component when you're in the store, but there's also quality. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to speak about how you invest in quality for Boba Guys? Yeah, we, I'm pretty sure we're one of the only vertically integrated Boba shops in the entire world. What I mean by that is we source everything and make everything in-house. Even our syrups are made in-house. We have our own Boba shop. I mean, our own Boba factory, which I'm sure you know. We opened the mm-hmm. only... North American-based factory for tapioca. We replicated a Taiwanese factory and we bought the machines over, which got me in a lot of trouble. That's a whole separate story. And we put it in Hayward, California, which is out here in the Bay Area. And then we source our own tea. So, you know, we get tea from all, tea from all over the world, like, um, you know, black tea from Yunnan, from India, Sri Lanka, Taiwan. My favorite teas are from Taiwan, Oolong. Um, some American teas. We have Japanese matcha that we get from Uji, Uji and Nishio. So I get, I'm very fortunate. I get to travel and meet a lot of tea people and industry. So we do that. And then we make, we use organic milk. We use us uh, right out here in California. They're called Strauss organic milk. They're probably one of the pioneers. They are the pioneer of West Coast organic dairy. We also make a lot of teaware in-house. We have a lot of merch in-house. We design everything in-house. We don't franchise, so we own everything. So that allows us to have a lot of autonomy. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of like what makes us... I mean, quality is a very vague, it's very subjective. To me, quality is being dependable, reliable, and have a lot of functions. And it's a high standard. As you scale, quality just becomes harder. Because mm. consistency is harder. Yeah. And I know you're talking about more of a level of standard here but when you were talking about the suppliers you know from the u.s making tapioca domestically but then also sourcing tea leaves from china from taiwan it definitely made me think back to the mission you were talking about bridging cultures yeah so yeah exactly thanks for tying it thank you for being my pr person today but if you read our book if you read them i always talk the biggest bridging cultures is actually philosophical culture. I always talk about it's Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy. It's East versus West. It's collectivism versus individualism. That to me actually supersedes, you know, Taiwan versus Mexican. There's so many dimensions to people's identity nowadays. And there's so many people who are multiple cultures, right? So like to say culture is specific to Mm -hmm. a homeland or like a race is silly to me. I mean, it's not silly Mm -hmm. in that America, especially is very sensitive around class and race, 100% true. But if it's if people act like it's the only thing, I think that's the reason why we're in so much trouble. Then you can come back to it when people start understanding, oh, there's multiple multiple dimensions. Even though I look a certain way, I'm American, so I express myself very, very differently. 
you mentioned that uh, in other outlets that Boba Guys was hibernating uh, during COVID and you were looking to switch to digital. Has anything helped you adapt and carry on during this time? I think what's helped us more to adapt than anything has been the community. I think when you have support, fans, friends, our own team say, we're going to follow you no matter what you do. Like even if you have a limited menu, even if you are doing things slightly different, we're going to be with you. And I have to say, you know, when Boba Guys, we're about 80, 90% back. Mm-hmm. When we're fully, fully back, we're getting really close. We're going to, I don't know if it's going to party. We're going to have to do something for the public. I mean, we're so grateful because mm-hmm. we came really, really, really close. I'll give you something that I haven't really been telling because I think I mentioned before we went on that I haven't been taking a lot of interviews because I think there's too much noise. You know, America's kind of like ripping itself apart and I didn't want to add to that. So I have been kind of muted for six months now almost. You know, the thing I'll share is that like we were down essentially to like just over a couple payrolls. In my world and food and beverage, that is cutting it really close, basically borderline bankrupt. The reason was is because it happened right in the middle of me building stores, which was really scary. And I got very fortunate that I kept a little bit extra money and that buffered us. And then we got um, what we call a PPP loan in America. It's, it's like a paycheck protection program. So you have government funded labor, essentially. And that helped us so much. And I think that truly saved what we look like today. We had a really close call. Mm-hmm. It's so great that you're sort of willing to share that so that other people know they're not going through it alone. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. the one thing that I would say I wish we could be better as a culture is like, mm-hmm. I wish we could be a little more transparent and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I was remembering Jeremy Lin was in Taiwan. And he was speaking about essentially his basketball dreams and mm-hmm. maybe his NBA dreams dying, right? And he's a very famous NBA player. He's uh, He played for your team out there in Toronto. I remember what the internet said about him, that he was crying or he was so sad. And why was he sad? Like he was an NBA player, like boo-hoo and no pity. And they basically made it look like you can't be vulnerable. And, you know, having talked to him personally and having gone through a much smaller scale but version of that myself where vulnerability isn't i don't know the ideal i Mm. wish you know we could improve on that especially asian american culture or asian culture because so much of of it is like putting up a fake facade or being stoic and but i think being expressive is is fine i did want to go back to because you said the community supported you a lot yeah i think you're a great representation of the Asian American small business community. We know that there was, there's been racism. The Asian American community has been hit hard, especially Chinatown areas. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people who are listening to help support this community um, or things that you wish we knew? Yeah. Thanks for giving me the platform to kind of ask some favors from your listeners. So if you're listening, first of all, hello. Um, there's a lot we can do. I think by far, this is across North America, people that are lower class and poor have disproportionately been affected by COVID, of which there's definitely Black communities, huge kind of issues with a pandemic response in, you know, Black communities, Black, Brown communities, uh, Hispanic, Latinx, also really big. But people also then forget that there are a lot of poor Asians. <laughs> 
And the reason why the pandemic affects a lot of them is because number one, there's this racism that's straight up. People won't even want to visit Chinatown because they think somebody's more likely to catch it there than, I don't know, some other place, which I disagree because everybody in Chinatown wears masks, but that's what their stigma is. And then the other one is many of these are immigrant and really ethnic communities are immigrant communities are low income. They live in SROs, single resident occupancies or smaller places, or they live with big families. And so when one gets it, everyone gets the, gets the virus. So things like that, people don't really think about. So the one thing I would encourage is to have a little bit more, you know, I heard there's like two Americas right now, not just the voting America. There's the people who are working at tech jobs and consulting jobs that I'm betting stereotypically a lot of young professionals, Taiwanese listeners are probably having that job right now. You're probably listening while you're at work doing audit. <laughs> you know, that's perfectly awesome. I used to be that person. But at the same time, you can't forget that the person who made your food, that cut your hair, that opens and closes the bars and goes home at 4 a.m., that drives your, your buses and taxis, that those people are the ones that are disproportionately affected. And many of whom are Asian American because there's a lot of poor immigrant Asian Americans that are hit by this. So legislation, it determines on who you vote for. For those listeners who don't know, I was the first person, one of the first in the country to bring up small business response. I went to Congress and I testified on March 10th. March 10th was really early. Mm-hmm. I testified on March 10th to ask for a government bailout for small businesses. And I specifically said, it's going to hurt ethnic enclaves mm-hmm. because we always knew that those were the poorest areas. That tied to the social unrest that you see in America right now is kind of feeding each other. We got to break that cycle. We have a big election very soon in America. Who we vote for determines how that program and how that response is dealt with. We don't have to be the, one of the worst in the world when it comes to COVID response. We could be one of the best. I do think, I already know the statistic because I'm a part of a lot of voting campaigns. Asians especially are one of the least likely to vote of all the ethnic groups. Oh. Of all the major ethnic groups, um, oh. voter participation is really bad among Asians. Yeah. Oh. That's kind of like what I would encourage people to do. Just be active. It's not being, I'm not going to try to be prescriptive. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wrap it up uh, by bringing it back to Taiwan. <laughs> so has starting Boba Guys, doing this work, brought you closer to the Taiwanese side of your heritage? Oh, for sure. Um, There's a little personal information, but my mom has Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. So she's like stage three. She's pretty much later stages. So she, she can't get around much. And one of my dreams is to bring my mom back to Taiwan because I've never been there with her. And um, we were talking about this. And every time I go back, I try to bring her stuff. And I, or when I'm over there, I'm texting her. I'm like, mom, do you remember any of this? You know, that kind of stuff. And she's been there. She hasn't been there for so long. So I think there definitely has been a lot of that. And I do think a lot of my failed Chinese school, I do regret a lot of that. And I'm trying to make up for it. I was like, crap, mom, how come you didn't make be better in Chinese school? And just, She's like, I could never drag you and your sister over. You hated it. You would always want to leave early. A waste of my money. That's what mom would say. So I think I've been very in touch. If there's any outside of America, any other kind of identity, I, I kind of gravitate to. It's, it's going to be Taiwanese. Um, I hope there's a new wave of talent that can build new economies. That's the reason why, you know, our bamboo straws are Taiwanese. You're from uh, Nanto area. One of the big reasons I chose bamboo straws as, 
part of our big straw thing was because I wanted to promise um, Taiwan like a bigger GDP. And if it has a monopoly on sustainable straws, it can create a new industry. So um, Taiwan, number one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to actually say, what does Taiwan mean to you in one word? Um, I would say industrious. So that was a candid conversation, and I'm so appreciative of Andrew's openness that lets us engage in that dialogue. Um, when he talked about East versus West, it made me realize um, vulnerability as a strength could be part of our Western influence. As Taiwanese abroad, we should help create more of these bridges that bring the best of each culture forward. And I hope that more Taiwanese will embrace vulnerability so they don't have to chiku alone. To support Boba Guys, you can get their new book, The Boba Book, on Amazon. If you'd like to nominate a Taiwan Yuan, please let me know at cindy at taiwanyuan.co. Taiwan Jiao Yo!